Better Nation, this is Dr. Erica, and welcome to a brand new episode of Better with Dr. Erica. And today I am leaning in all on the topic of all things therapy. This episode features an important discussion of what therapy actually looks like and how it works. My guest is Tanya Kolesnik, who is a psychotherapist and coach that also runs a group therapy program. And if you haven't heard about group therapy, you're going to want to hear about this. Now questions this episode will answer. What is group therapy and how does it work? Why is discomfort necessary for transformation? What is the difference between coaching and therapy? And lastly, how can having a therapist on a wellness team benefit you? Whether you are curious about group therapy, curious about regular therapy, are looking for a way to get more out of your coaching experiences, or just want your life to be better, this episode has something for you. There is a real conversation of what to really expect in therapy and also strategies that are going to just help you be able to be better, do better, and live better. Now, one more quick thing. You're going to hear some shareable moments. You may even want to take a few notes on this episode. So let me tell you how we share on Better Nation. All you have to do is post on the social media with the hashtag Better Nation. Now, you're going to want to stay tuned for all of this episode because it stays dropping information. Let's just say when it was all over, I felt personally liberated like I had done an hour with my therapist. Now, you know, this podcast isn't actual therapy, but we are aiming to be educational and give you some tools. So before I talk forever, let me tell you one more thing. Now, you know that better seven, those seven essential areas to help you be better, do better, live better, have that life you were created for. This one's going to focus on support. So just listen in. So on to the show. Better with Dr. Erica. Hey, Better Nation, this is Dr. Erica, again, coming with a brand new episode of Better with Dr. Erica. And I know I always say I'm excited, but I am so excited about the guest I have for you this time. Now, you know, I'm a medical doctor, but you know if you're my patient or not. You know if you're paying to see me. If you're not, you know, this is just educational purposes only. So you know how we roll. And I am so excited today to have Tanya Cole Lesnick on. You know, I always get this special kind of happy when I have people that actually live in the mental health space on. So I haven't had one on for a little while, so I get to be all up in the fields. So let me first tell you, you know, we said for season three, I'm not reading full bios. You know, we just said it. I just, reading is fundamental. I am good at it, hence I have so many degrees. But a lot of times people can tell you better about themselves than I can. So rather than read a bio, I'm just going to say a little something, something, and then she's going to tell you more about herself. So number one, you're in for a treat because she is so brilliant. And I'm excited to have someone on that does um, that's in mental health that does some things different than I do. Um, I know I do a lot of things, but I don't do everything. So let me tell you a little bit about Tanya Cole Lesnick. Her name is so cool. I just feel like I want to say her entire government name <laughs> over and over and over again. So 
She has a history of being a psychotherapist, so she's a licensed clinical social worker, but she's also a coach. But I love the fact that she's found a way to do things in a very unique way, which I'm going to let her tell you about. But the, I mean, it's just so cool. I, I just can't hold it in. Tanya, can you tell the people a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah. So well, thank you for that. And I love that you don't read the bios and that you just kind of put it out there. So um, I've been psychotherapist and coach for over 27 years now and really started that work. I was a graphic designer prior to that work. I started that work because I went into my own therapy experience as a client and that therapist added group therapy into the work she was doing with me. And that combination was so life-changing that I decided to de dedicate my life to doing something similar. And really, over all the years that I've done my work, have always done a lot of uh, intimate group therapy type programs that I've offered to people. But as of January 2000. 22. Wow, it's almost been a year. Um, wow. Have been leading with more of the group and coaching work because of the strength and the power that does to help people really access what they really want in their lives. I'm so excited to get a chance to talk to you about this because I know a lot of a lot of the listeners out here. People see group therapy on TV or on movies. And ironically, most of the time when I see group on TV or movies, it's usually in two contexts. It's usually either they're in AA or something like that, or every once in a while, there'll be like a grief group or something like that. So I'm so excited to be able to have this conversation because I do feel like there's so much power in the group dynamic, but if people haven't experienced it, they have no idea what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And there's absolutely, there's a lot of fear about going into a group. I work with a lot of clients individually and start talking to them about adding group in and almost always I get some resistance at first. And um, when people do experience some of this group stuff, and I'll say more about some of what you can get out of group, there is this often this, oh, I get it now, when they've had the experience. Because there's such a, like being on your inner growth journeys together, personal growth journeys, sharing your inner worlds together in this kind of group, situation where it's a safe space to share what you're kind of learning about yourself inside. It's not something that we typically share with a lot of people. So that feeling of not being alone is huge. And then there's other layers too, but I think that's the one that bubbles up to the top first and strongest, this feeling of, ah, you're not alone and to be in this very human space together. And I love that we're having this moment because when, when I mention group to a lot of patients, the first thing that comes out of their mouth is some version of, I don't want to tell people my business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's Absolutely. like some, some iteration of that. And um, I really love the fact that we're going to be able to demystify that a little bit today while talking about a variety of other topics. So stay tuned, people. Don't, don't, don't log off if you're thinking, ah. I, I'm not doing group therapy. I don't need to know about any group therapy. We, we are going to be talking about a lot of things and you're going to want to hang in for all of it. So since the people may not know you quite as well, 
we've been in the pandemic for a while. And one thing that has happened, especially now, is a lot of binge watching and binge listening. What what do you have like on repeat, either on your TV or your radio these days? Hmm. I, um, I'm trying to think if I have anything that I do really on repeat. I liked my husband and I like to pick a show and we'll watch through it and we will kind of binge watch mm-hmm. it. Um, and we've enjoyed different things along the way, but sort of recently we watched Inventing Anna on Netflix and that was a really fun show. And we're always actually, we'd be open to suggestions because we're kind of between shows right now. Mm. We always feel a little bit like, oh, we need a show. Um, I listen to so many podcasts, so I really appreciate what you're putting out in the world. And I um, just love to hear what's out there in these conversations. And I find it so uplifting because of the ones that I choose really are about helping me feel not alone, sort of like the group experience mm. that we we're talking about. I feel like some of these podcasts do something similar in that. And ironically, I had a, a um, I did a, I always want to say Facebook Live, but it streams numerous places. So it's not really just Facebook anymore, but that's what I always want to say. And I'm talking about kind of curating your, your um, social media so that it's something that can actually improve your mental health. And I love how you're talking about curating your media experience, including your podcast experience, so that it ends up being something that feels uplifting or inspiring or, or positive. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we can get to it. I'm just so excited, y'all. I don't know what to do with myself. I, I literally don't know what to do with myself. So we started talking about about group therapy. And I know a lot of people when they think of, even when they think of individual, it's weird. What you see on TV is not really what happens most places. Because historically, when you saw therapy on screen, it really actually was set up more like psychoanalysis. And some of you out there might not be as familiar with psychoanalysis, but all those images that you see with someone laying on a couch typically facing the opposite direction. So they're not even hardly looking at the person they're talking to and someone's sitting in a chair and they're just talking forever and ever and ever. That's typically more psychoanalysis than traditional other forms of psychotherapy. And one of the reasons I wanted to just take a quick moment for this, this piece of education is there are so many different types of therapy, be it individual or group, that it's not always a one-size-fits-all situation that we talk about sometimes when you're trying to find a therapist that it's almost like dating and you may kiss a couple frogs before before you find your prince, (laughs) that there are some modalities that depending on what you're like dealing with at the moment, one modality may suit better what your treatment goals are than another, and it may shift. Um, So I love that we're talking about some additional options because for me, one of the things is there's something special about the group process. I was literally talking to my mindset coach about this, um, which uh, we can always also have a conversation about coaching is not therapy. They are not the same. But we had done a group version of it and then one that wasn't group and talking about how the there was so much work done in the group process that was very different than the individual or another kind of more disjointed process. Um, but one of the reasons I love group beyond the fact that there is a certain kind of power in the group process, 
And the interesting thing is the group process sometimes does a chunk of the work, which is really cool to watch, um, is the fact that for a lot of people, group is actually less expensive too. So for people that feel like individual, maybe, you know, one-on-one individual, especially in the cash pay environment is too much that a lot of times groups are actually economically less. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on what are some of the things that makes group therapy unique and valuable? Yeah. So I see so many different layers, as I said, one of the things is you're with a bunch of different people. So to be able to share your story in front of witnesses, hear yourself say some of the things that you're working through helps you even connect to what is your story? What does matter? What does come up for you? So that can be very powerful. Um, There's something when you hear other people talking and you're starting to notice what resonates for you, you may touch on some unconscious stuff. Those might not necessarily be the topics you would have brought into your individual sessions. But as you're hearing other people in the group speak and something really touches you and resonates for you, it can help you uncover something that would just help you on your journey, further in your journey in a um, more direct way than if you're trying to find it because you're actually accessing some of that stuff in a real emotional way. Sometimes people in group remind you of people outside of group and it's a chance to learn other perspectives that kind of relate to people in your life. Obviously, they're not the same people as the people in your life. But for example, if there's somebody in the group that's really extroverted, that reminds you of your partner, and it's different than how you kind of approach things, you can hear a little bit more about what their experience might be and see whether or not that feels parallel in some way and start to open up to other ideas rather than continuing to have some of the same arguments with your partner when you don't have that level of understanding. So again, it's not that it's the same person, but it helps you start to work through, oh, this comes up for me when my partner does this one thing and learn other perspectives that might help you get a fuller understanding of what's going on in your life outside of group. I I love that and bringing out that relational piece. And, and the fact that you're going to get some real-time practice. But the other thing I love is something that everyone I know that runs groups well does, um, that I think sometimes people don't know happen, is there's an in, there's intentional groundwork that's done to create the safe space. Yeah. And I, I want to bring that out for people that aren't quite as familiar, that there's intentional work because to share, you have to feel safe. And I think some people think that you have to automatically feel safe before you go. Mm -hmm. And it's just like when you're making friendships or relationships, that there's some relationship building and ground rules. So I I want people to know that there is a lot of intentional work on safety. Um, And sometimes I love the fact that you brought out kind of the, the synergy and those epiphanies that you can have from interacting with 
with other people that you may not have in a one-on-one conversation. Yeah. Yeah. There were a couple of things that you said earlier. One, um, when people are afraid of going into group, which I hear so much. And that one that you said about, I don't want to tell my stuff to people that I don't know, a group of strangers, Mm -hmm. whatever that resistance might look like. And it really, the people in the group do not stay strangers for long because there is, because it's a safe space, because there is the sharing of some of these inner worlds. And you're right, Dr. Erica, it's not instantaneous. People have to build up some comfort with that. But when that starts to happen, the bonds that form are very powerful and, um, meaningful to the people in the group and they're not feeling anymore as they start to build those relationships like this is a group of strangers instead this is a group of people who have my back this is a group of people who are celebrating the progress that I have been making these are people who check in with me to see where am I with this one piece that I shared some intention about so there's some accountability in there as well and this just brings us can I just say how much I love talking to you? I think I'm going to have to have you on again. <laughs> and it, it brings us to the the next kind of area of conversation, which is that just as we started talking about this discomfort of just initially going to group, that really in any of these major mental health modalities, there's some level of discomfort. Can Can you talk a little bit about why this discomfort is necessary? Yeah. Discomfort, I mean, there's a few reasons. One, people come to work with me either to get some extra support through some sort of transition in their lives or for some sort of change. Either way, there is a coming up against something that feels vulnerable, something that feels to make change and to start doing something new can feel not familiar. It can feel there are reasons why we have the patterns that we've built in our lives. And often those patterns have been protective. So if somebody, I'll give an example from my own life. So one of the patterns in my own life that I've spoken about before is I have a tendency towards, and I've been working on this for a while, but towards people pleasing. Mm -hmm. And that grew out of having a mother who experienced a lot of anxiety that came out of anger and rage. So as a kid, I kind of learned how to not rock the boat and present a certain way. And that kind of went on. That probably wasn't the only reason that got developed. We certainly have some cultural reason to reinforce that. But to go against my urge to people, please, because there's a limiting belief underneath that, which is I'm going to be rejected if I'm not really nice and say yes and be accommodating when I start to check in first with myself and make some decisions first about what works for me and then say no to some things or set some boundaries around things, that's very uncomfortable because it's new and because it's, I mean, it's not new for me anymore, but when I was starting to challenge it, and it still can be uncomfortable now because it's still my knee-jerk reaction, um, but also it goes against this limiting belief, which is, uh-oh, I'm going to be rejected, and I have to kind of breathe through that and 
know that that's not a truth, but that's what got developed in me and that was a protective thing. So that's just an example. And whatever people are working on, there is usually some kind of protective measure, which is the reason that got developed to begin with. And then when they are very deliberately wanting to change a pattern, there is some discomfort that comes up around that. And to start to put your finger on it and identify what it is, you know, what is the limiting belief? What is that about? Can really help start to make it more tolerable because at first that discomfort can be, um, it can feel prohibitive sometimes, but if you trust in the process and take real small steps and get some support through it, and group can be amazing for that, it can help start to make a tra- help you start to make a transition. And you know, I think you brought up something huge. For me, I also think about it in the terms that if healing was comfortable, you would have already done it. If it was super comfortable and it was that easy, you wouldn't need any of us. Everybody would be living their best life, would be living in love and joy. And would not have problems because it would being, it would just be natural. So I, I think sometimes the expectation that when you see any of us that are mental health professionals, that everything be comfortable is unrealistic. Now, I think there's a difference between discomfort, discomfort and feeling unsafe. Mm-hmm. Now, those are two very different things. There's a discomfort of doing the work because you're you're naturally, you're facing the things you're most vulnerable about. A lot of times the things that we're the most vulnerable about, I always, I worked at this one facility a very long time ago. It was actually owned by a single proprietor and she was brilliant. And she kind of talked about how, how shame just really, secrets and shame, (laughs) how those kind of fuel everything. And really when I thought about it, it does, but there's a level of facing your fears, facing those secrets, facing those things that you're most likely most embarrassed about or you don't like the most about yourself or you're frustrated about, that's going to be uncomfortable, which is different than when you feel you're not in a safe space. Totally. Yeah. Which is totally, totally different. So there there are times you may feel like a space isn't trusting, that you can't trust the other person or that the other person isn't hearing you or listening to you or holding space for you or that they're not necessarily using the information you're giving them to help you heal. That's more of an issue of safety or, or psych, really more like psychological safety. Um, but I, I do think this expectation that you, you show up and I've had this happen a few times where a client shows up and they're like, these are all my problems. And then after one session, they're messaging you like, I don't have a plan. And it's like, we have a plan, but you only did one session. <laughs> You're probably, it took you more than 90 minutes to get to where you are. It's going to take more than 90 minutes. And, and I do think there's room for all of us to grow in opportunities for us to, sometimes I feel like people show up and they don't know the questions they really want to know. And I think there's a part of our work, which is anticipating having conversations around 
when may you start to see change? What kind of work is this? This isn't doing this kind of work isn't the same thing as taking an antibiotic for bronchitis or or putting on some Benadryl cream on a rash. It's just not that kind of work. It's going to take a certain amount of mental energy and it's going to take some time. And I think there are some opportunities for us to continue to educate people on having realistic expectations. You know, a lot of these things can, they can change your life, but most of the time they're not going to change your life in one hour. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that talking to people about what to expect, what does change look like? What does the process look like is a really good point. And in the groups that I run, we do talk about what are you longing for? What is it that you want group to help you with and get really clear about what that looks like and to revisit it along the way because um, it can stay in this sort of gray area if you're not staying on top of it. I mean, and honestly, it's going to be somewhat gray anyway. We're talking about human Mm -hmm. beings. So it's not like what you're saying. It's not sort of the same as um, treating something with medicine is is different experience, but to keep talking about it and to see where um, you're wanting to go and what the process is like, and and even to identify where some stuck places are in the process itself can be really helpful. Um, so yeah. I think one of the things that I've started to work with, and I know you and I touched on this earlier, is this idea of energetic clutter. Because Mm -hmm. I think what I experience a lot um, when I'm working with people is sort of a tendency to go towards some past experiences or future worry that, or or automatic... um, patterns in their lives that they're not questioning and not looking to change that are really kind of zapping them energetically and very costly energetically. And so to help people understand, well, you can focus on that, but that's not going to bring you anywhere new. Um, And we can talk about why that might be in a certain situation. So to maybe looking, replaying conversations over the past. Well, we can learn from that. And then we can see where you need to move on, see if there's healing necessary and see where you need to move on so that your energy isn't getting depleted before you can focus on the things that really matter to you. And I think you were saying, Dr. Erica, a little bit ago, where people don't even necessarily know the questions to ask. So I think when people are cluttered up with a lot of different patterns that get in their way of maybe living their lives so busily that they're depleted and not able to connect to themselves in a deeper way. Those are some of the things that could shift so that you can start to know what questions you want to ask of yourself, know what comes up for you, because if you're too revved up or too full, you're not going to be able to access some of those things inside of yourself. It's time for What's Up with Dr. Erica. And you know me, I'm Dr. Erica. Well, guess what? This is Spellhouse Homecoming. What is Spellhouse, you may be wondering? 
Spellhouse is a combination of Spelman College and Morehouse College. Morehouse College is actually the only male historically black college and university, and Spelman College is one of two female historically black colleges and universities. Now, one of my favorite things of the Better Seven is support. You hear me talk about it, and this episode is all about support. And one part of support is community. I totally love my Spellhouse community. It literally fills my cup and inspires me to be at my best. People always have a good word. They show me some love. And they're just so inspiring because everyone is working to be better. Seeing everyone has been almost a spiritual experience after being so isolated during the pandemic. There was even a candidate from Spellman and one from Morehouse on my voting ballot, Stacey Abrams and Raphael Warnock. So I have to ask you, what is a community of support for you? Why don't you think about that? And when you come up with the answer, I'd love for you to, you know, you can always post it with the hashtag better nation. But the other thing is reach out to that community. One of the things that happens so often is we have these people that can support us, but we don't actually reach out to them. So your homework is, is to identify a community of support for yourself and to reach out to them. Back to the show. Better with Dr. Erica. And you brought up a a huge point is that a lot of times people don't, people may know how they want to feel, but don't always know what to work on to get there. And, And that's okay. I feel like one of the biggest things is sometimes you just have to start. And sometimes you'll start with one of us doing one of these modalities and you, you might not know exactly where you want to go. You just know you don't want to feel the way you do now. And I don't want anyone to think that not having full clarity of being able to walk in with a piece of paper or a note on your cell phone saying, I want to work on this, this, and this, and this. I want to do it with this type of therapy or this kind of medication or this thing, this thing, this thing. It's okay. We can we can work with you to help clarify. But part of the reason I'm excited about talking about energy and energetics and mental decluttering is that one of the things I see so much right now between my patients and even some of my speaking clients and business clients is there are so many issues with mental capacity, mental and emotional capacity right now. And a lot of times you get full mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's hard to empty your tank a little bit because as you talked about all these habitual patterns that are being repeated that are going to keep filling you up. There's um, a psychological term called the compulsion to repeat. <laughs> and for all of you out there, that's it's it's literally what it says, which is it's It's this urge to keep doing things the same way. It's almost like that saying that they say, if you keep doing the same thing, thing, expecting a different result. And it's this compulsion to keep redoing things over and over again, looking for some type of resolution or another result, which most of the time doesn't really bring what you desire. And part of the work a lot of us do, and that Tanya is also talking about, is helping you to to not only recognize these patterns, but to learn from these patterns to then have healthier healthier habits, healthier patterns. Um, and a lot of times it ends up with healthier communication styles. Yeah. And a lot of what we have also, we're, we're talking about energy and decluttering, which is, is very closely related to boundaries. Mm, yes. <laughs> so a lot of boundary management. Sometimes those boundaries are even with ourselves. 
Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I love what you're saying about you don't have to go into this experience with some clarity of knowing where you want to go even necessarily. I love what you're saying. You know you want to feel better, but you don't quite know what that journey might look like, what's going to bring you there. And that's what professionals can sort of help you start to take the journey and figure out, okay, this is coming up for you. What does that mean? And help you start to know what to look at even as you're going on the journey. Um, and Marie Forleo has said that, Claire, uh, what is it? Um, clarity comes with engagement. And that's just been a helpful reminder for me always that the action piece is so important to start and to see what comes up for you and then to learn from the stuff that is coming up for you. What works for you? What resonates for you? What do you feel resistant to? What's triggering some anger? Whatever it is, all that information is so helpful and can help us learn. Um, and I was actually, when you were talking, I was thinking, I just wanted to share a little bit about my experience yes. with group at the beginning. So the, the group that changed my life, I went into that group, I was in my mid twenties and I was struggling to have a long-term love relationship at the time and really didn't understand and wanted to see, um, if I could learn from that, but didn't think of going to therapy at first, there was a lot of stigma. The idea of that felt like I didn't think maybe my issues were legitimate enough for therapy. But then I finally did decide, okay, let me try therapy. And then the therapist had me join this group. So I went into the experience really with the goal of wanting to figure out how I was going to have a long-term love relationship and learn what was in the way for me. That was my goal. And I went into the group, did some emotional work and pretty early on met who is now my husband. And we just celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary. Wow. So yeah, so that worked, right? Like I went to group, I had this goal, that was my intention. But the thing is, Along these paths, we don't always know what's going to come up. And so what happened to me is I had this goal and I reached that goal, but I didn't anticipate connecting to myself in the way that I connected to myself. Learning, first of all, I went into that experience feeling like I was probably pretty flawed, thinking that was why I was struggling to have these long-term love relationships that I really was longing for. So I went in thinking I was flawed. I learned pretty early on that it was human to feel some of these insecurities and then started to connect to myself in a much more positive way, feeling much more self-compassion, much more love for myself and much, um, a better understanding of needs and what needs are and all of that. And so that was the surprise. I didn't anticipate that was how growth was going to happen for me. So I think that's just what I wanted to highlight too. Even if you know what you want to work on, sometimes you learn so much more about whatever it is about yourself that you'll continue to evolve and different things will kind of touch deeper places in you that are going to help you just feel more connected to your life. And we don't know what it's going to look like. 
I feel all the warm and fuzzies. Just all of the warm and fuzzies because you brought up something huge that happens. I see so much in therapy is that, and it's even happened. Um, a lot of us all talk, we, I'm in therapy. My name is Dr. Eric. I have two therapists. Yay. <laughs> Depending on where I'm located, <laughs> I, have, I have a couple. Um, is the fact that we spend so much time having a human experience and people telling us who we are or or what our problems are and then hiding those scary parts of ourselves to ourselves. <laughs> that one of the huge things I, I love about therapy in general is creating a safe space so that you can actually truly authentically see yourself. Because the views a lot of us have of ourselves are skewed. They're skewed by all the things that we were told that were crappy. If you were bullied, if you had a, you know, a difficult parenting situation, if you were in relationships and people told you you were nothing, or people told you you were ugly, or or you had trauma and you feel broken. It's all these other identities. And it's very hard sometimes these all start building up and trying to get to what your core is. And that's one of the things I love about being a mental health professional, but I also think it's important sometimes to seek us out. There's so much information out there right now. You know, there's everyone saying something on YouTube. You know, there are a lot of podcasts. You can read articles. Um, those things can be helpful tools, but they're not the same. I encourage you to listen to my podcast. I appreciate you listening to my podcast, but listening to my podcast is going to be very different than actually doing therapy with me. They are not the same. And I love you that you brought out that there's a level of clarity and I'd almost call, call it holding a mirror to yourself that can be done in therapy. That's going to be very different than if you're trying to self-help or self-guide yourself on a journey by reading books or listening to things or doing like my mom, like anything that Tony Robbins said was gold. It didn't matter if I said it. It didn't matter that I had a Harvard education. It was Tony Robbins. <laughs> <laughs> and and I think sometimes because there is so much information out here that sometimes people get fooled into thinking that it's easy to do all this work mm. on your own. Um, when there's some work you can do on your own, but a lot of this deeper work, you're you're not going to probably do it well on your own. You can try it, <laughs> but but I mean, even a lot of us that are skilled, I'm I'm not going to try to modulate my own therapy and do mm -hmm. therapy for myself. Yeah, and we all have blind spots, and I think that's part of what you're talking about too. Mm -hmm. To be able to sort of ref get reflected back to us some of what's showing up because we've got those habitual sort of thinking patterns and the ways that we understand ourselves and to be able to have an opportunity to hear from others. I mean, in a group situation, it's going to be more than the therapist. It's mm. also going to be other people on a similar journey or just the therapist, but to hear back about how they're receiving us because we can't see that. That's not something we can see on our own. I love it. And I, I love that we're having this conversation 
because I feel like some of this stuff you don't know until you do it. So there are a lot of people out there that I keep hearing, well, I think I may need a therapist or what does therapy look like? And a lot of these things you don't know till you do it. That some of us know because we we are the people that actually provide, <laughs> provide the service. And one of the things I love about especially the culture of old school training, which has shifted a little bit, was there's something important about going into therapy for yourself as someone that is a mental health professional. And it's beyond just this thought of making sure that, you know, you've handled your stuff before you take on someone else's, but it's also something about understanding the process of being on the other side and and being vulnerable Mm -hmm. and holding space and, and making safe spaces and, and being able to communicate what your needs are. That is, different as a patient versus being, for me, being a psychiatrist. It's it's a very different dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. And I've done my own work as well with therapists and coaches, because I, I feel like mm-hmm. I get different things from different supports that I have in my life. And recently went on a almost all women, not all women's retreat where it has a very similar feel to the group experience. I mean, it is a group experience, but it's not Mm -hmm. as ongoing as the groups that I run, but to have an intense period of time with women that are really doing their inner work as well was just all of it so powerful and to know it's not one and done too. It's therapists haven't just done all the work and we're all like, kind of above the human experience now where nobody's immune. Like we all have to go through our own sort of ups and downs in lives and periods of transition and stuff comes up at different times. And to really know that we need to honor our own need for support whenever it comes up for us as well. And I feel like um, some of you, if you're new to the podcast, I talk about this concept called the better seven, these seven essential things that are really necessary to be better, do better and live better. And one of the ones we talked about in so many different ways today is is support from being in group therapy and having the support of the therapist running the group and the support of the other group members to other forms of therapy to also even having community that it's it's just important. I always think back to when I had had um, Shaquita Lockley on and she was talking, um, we were talking about women that were dealing with reproductive issues. And she mentioned, someone mentioned people being on isolation island. And um, I love that term because it's so easy to isolate with challenges. And I love the thing that comes out in group is that a lot of people are isolating and not realizing that anyone else has gone through something similar. And to me, that's one of the great things about group therapy is that it gets reflected back that I love how you mentioned that you're, you're not alone. And for so many people in their own personal lives, there may even be people around them that have had similar challenges, but people don't talk about it. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I love this idea of having these different communities of support, um, being some of them traditionally therapeutic and, and other types. But we've also, you've touched on coaching and 
therapy. Can can you tell Better Nation what's what's the difference between coaching and therapy? I would say the biggest difference, and and I feel like there's such a gray area of overlap in there, but the biggest difference is therapy is more about understanding some of um, the conditioning and the past, uh, some of the trauma or the hurts along the way that are playing out now in your life at that point in current time. Whereas um, coaching is more about the action piece and moving forward and setting some goals. I always see the two as kind of going hand in hand. And I do both, but I do them in a pretty fluid way since I I do both. Um, As a client, I would say when I am in therapy and exploring some of my issues, there's definitely more of a trying to understand why certain things are um, playing out the way they are. And I guess it's similar to what I just said, but when I'm in a coaching situation, there is the more action focused piece. And, and I'll, I have, we've talked about my team. I got, I have, I have two business coaches. I have a mindset coach. I have a wellness coach. I have a therapist. I have, I have lots of people. So awesome. Lot, lots and, and lots of people. And, and the other thing is, is one of the reasons I think some of these services go hand in hand. They're not necessarily the same, but mm-hmm. where, where coaches get in and, and help you see the action needed to get to a certain goal, the thing about therapy is a lot of times there can be a lot of things that are getting between you and your vision or you and taking action. Um, and I'd say... This isn't a scientific number, but eight to nine times out of 10, a lot of times there's trauma. Mm. <laughs> and and the traditional coach is not, they're not there to be your therapist and help you work through your trauma. They're not there to help you work through your depression. They're not yeah. there to help you work through your panic attacks. They're there to help you have new habits and processes and mm. <laughs> and and figure out strategies to to transform in whatever they're doing. Cause there's so much type of coaching now. Cause I think when coaching, when a lot of us first heard of coaching, it was more business coaching, but I know people that do weight loss coaching. I know people that do health coaching. I, I know people that do relationship coaching, people that do divorce coaching. There's all, there's so many types of coaching now, but you know, I think part of the reason they go hand in hand is sometimes it's great to have a therapist to unlock the blocks that are keeping you from being able to take the actions that are coming up in your coaching. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because a lot of times those, those, those traumas, those hurts, um, I'm going to give you some fancy words to say in your regular, regular life, those negative cognitive distortions. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's basically just having, it's kind of like, have you all heard this saying, seeing the world with rose colored glasses. So seeing everything is great. Negative cognitive distortions are like if you had gray black glasses and you saw everything is bad or the worst case scenario. And most likely your coach isn't going to be able to walk you through that. But if you get therapy and you are able to move past it, then number one, you're going to have more cognitive clarity and cognitive capacity and physical energy to actually take the actions that your coach is asking you to do. Yeah. You'll have more clarity on the direction that you even want to go to with your coach. And you'll be lighter and not kind of spinning your wheels, 
fighting your emotional demons and trying to make whatever this transformation you're trying to do with your coach. So I think a lot of times you will actually get more out of your coaching experiences if you're actually in therapy also. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what can happen so often, and we're sort of touching on it, but when you're moving towards change and the change isn't happening or it's not lasting, often it's because there's some healing underneath that hasn't taken place yet. So to go back and peel away some of those layers and to get a better understanding of what might be needing some attention first can be really helpful. Welcome to Goodwin Medical Associates, where we provide customized, caring telepsychiatry that is delivered with compassion by a Harvard-trained, double-board-certified psychiatrist. Don't you know that everyone, including you, deserves great mental health? Visit www.goodwintelepsych.com for more information and to book your free consultation. Let me introduce you to Better Nation. Better Nation is the community of people that follow the Better with Dr. Erica podcast that are like you and want to be better, do better, and live better. By becoming a member of Better Nation, you also get to receive member-only bonus content to put you officially in the inner circle, show notes with timestamps so you don't have to search for your favorite moments, and some bonus free coaching tools. So visit joinbetternation.com. That's joinbetternation.com to become a VIP and be a part of Better Nation. Better with Dr. Erica. Better with Dr. Erica. It's time for us to transition to a new section, but I I definitely have to have you back. So I'm going to see if I can. I I hope you'll say yes. Yeah, that would be amazing. (laughs) Thank you. So This is a great space to switch over to the speed round. Are you ready? I think so. All right. So what are your three favorite songs? So I feel a little lame in saying what my favorite songs are because they're so old, but they're, I'm so nostalgic about them. And honestly, it's not even the lyrics, but it, they bring up a feeling in me. So Stairway to Heaven, <laughs> Allison by Elvis Costello, and What's the third one? There is an, oh, Tempted by Squeeze. They're just songs that I loved growing up. And now when I hear them, I just have like a visceral reaction to them. They just, they just feel, I feel them in my body. So. Oh, that is wonderful. And the thing I love is whenever I ask that question, every once in a while I hear stuff I'm not as familiar with. So then it's like, it it sends me going to Apple music and like, (laughs) okay, let me, one day I'm going to actually do probably a, a, a playlist of all these songs because it's just so cool. The next thing is what's one thing that you do for self-care that's free? So I have this love-hate relationship with exercise. I mean, I can sort of be into it sometimes and then other periods of my life, I just struggle to follow through with it. So I joined about a year and almost a year and a half ago, I joined this meetup group and meetup groups are usually free. Maybe they're not always, but I joined a hiking one and I hike with this group twice a week. We hike for two hours together in this beautiful area. I'm in New York and we have this area of Rockefeller Preserve, which is just all this wooded, beautiful area. And we hike between five and six miles a couple of times a week. And 
for me doing all my work virtually now to be out in community with people in person, but also to be moving and also to be in this beautiful setting. It really has enhanced my life and it's free. Oh, I love that. And I love how you've turned something that's not always as fun as exercise into something that is actually community also. That is super cool. Yeah. My next thing is what's something about you that most people don't know? (laughs) I asked my daughter that question because um, I was trying to give some thought to that. And (laughs) she reminded me, this is so silly, but when I do the dishes, I hum at the same time. I think it becomes this whole self soothing experience because I find the water being sort of calming and then I'm humming. So I guess that most people don't know that about me. And actually my grandmother used to do that as well. So I don't know how I started to do that, but yeah. (laughs) Oh, I love it. And I know everyone says is acting like COVID's over. I swear it's multiple times a week I'm talking to someone and, you know, either the appointment was canceled because they had COVID or they're like, we still halfway dying because it's virtual. So, you know, <laughs> you know, you'll see people and they're like, I'm locked up in a room. I've been sick. Yeah. So what what is something that has helped you get through the pandemic? Um, I think what has been what was helpful early on when we were still kind of in that quarantine phase is my husband and I have this group of friends that we really enjoy connecting to. And for a while we didn't connect with anybody, but we identified each other as our pod. I think that was kind of what people were doing. And so early on when it was scarier to go out and about just to have our crew of friends so that we could, again, with some community, so we could connect and be in community together. I think that really helped a lot. I also moved my work from an office setting. Well, for a couple of reasons, I also left employment. So, but that went virtual and then I'm doing my own thing and continuing virtual work. And I didn't really have a designated office in my house, but my both my daughters don't live here anymore. They're grown now. And so I changed one of the bedrooms into a beautiful office for myself. Wow. And just to create some space for myself like that also was um, just nurturing as I did my work to have this beautiful space. So both of those things. Oh, I love it. So we're, we're about to wrap up, which... I mean, a part of me wants to have these little sad tears because I'm sad it's over. <laughs> but can you do me a favor? Can you, can you um, tell the people if you have any last words or thoughts you want to leave them with today? Hmm. I, I think you and I touched a lot on the fear that people can feel a lot of fear to take some of these steps. But I think I also want to touch on what it feels like to get the support that you need and to be encouraged and to connect to people like that. There, there's such, um, fullness to it, warmth to it. It feels amazing. So it's not only hard to say there are also parts of this experience that really, um, can be part of what lights us up as we go through this. So I guess I just wanted to highlight that there's that part of the work as well. 
Thank you so much. That is wonderful. And where can the people find you if they want some more Tanya Cole Lesnick? Um, so probably the, the, if they go to my website, which is my name, but I also have an easier to remember handle, which is group with Tanya. So that's T A N Y A group with Tanya. So they can check out my website. Mm -hmm. I actually have a little 10 minute documentary of the story I shared with you about group and how it changed my life. So, um, I, I, feel very proud of that. That was sort of a labor of love. So if anybody wants to check that out and I offer some free discovery sessions, if anybody's interested in discussing how group might be helpful for them personally. And, uh, and I do some videos on TikTok and Instagram and my handle is the same for those, which is Tanya, the therapist, all one word. So I would love to connect with anybody. Oh, I love it. And the first thing I have to say is thank you so much for choosing to make some time and space for myself and my listeners of Better Nation. And I also have to say thank you to all of y'all in Better Nation that took time out, not just to listen to me, but you took time for yourself. So I give you a big round of applause, but I don't want the sound to sound crazy. So um, just imagine this virtual round of applause that is happening from right here, if I had to think about my final thoughts, um, you know, I think the, the first one is just that getting a better life takes action. Most people are not going to wake up one morning and have all the money of the world and all of the best relationships. Technically, you could wake up and win the lottery, but you could still be miserable. <laughs> It's one of the things that drove me to psychiatry is all the people I saw. I always remember um, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, and my father's family is from Mississippi. I always remember driving down the street or walking down the street and you see all of these people just sitting on the porch having the time of their life. These folks barely had a pot or two to piss in, but they were so happy. And how often we hear about all these people that are, are wealthy and have fame and are miserable. And, and the fact that money alone isn't going to bring you joy, happiness, and healthy relationships. And at some point, you have to take some type of action. And I have, I keep telling you, I have these little inspiration cards that I sit on my desk now. And the one for today says, ask for what you want instead of always waiting for permission. Oh, I love that. And I and it says Vir, Virginia Satir. I may or may not have pronounced her name correctly. If I mispronounced it, I apologize. You know, it's what's in my heart. Um, is that it's so important to be willing to take action and step out there for what you want. And for a lot of you out there, you want to be happy. You want to feel like you have some freedom. You want to feel appreciated. You want to be the center of your own story. As I told you, I'm passionate about helping you be better, do better, and live better. But you have to be willing to take some sort of action. And for a lot of people, I truly believe this, and this isn't just because I'm a psychiatrist, is that one of the tools that is so underutilized is therapy. Because it can help move you along so that any of these other things you need to take action on, you have the space to do it and to increase your emotional capacity to a point where you can actually feel joy. I have 
patients I see all the time that are really depressed. And, you know, there are two places that just hurts my heart is my people really depressed. And then my, my really traumatized people where they just almost don't have the capacity to feel joy or safety. And the, the thought of having an entire life where every, every day has no joy and you feel safe nowhere just sounds like torture. And this is probably probably my longest wrap-up thoughts I have ever given. <laughs> is that I just, I don't want people to struggle when there is help available. I think that's what hurts my heart the most and what drove me to do this kind of work is that every day you spend miserable is a day you can't get back. And there are all these treatments and people out here that can help. And when you either don't have access, because I know some people do have some access issues. So this isn't like saying you suck because you have had mental health treatment. But if you don't have access or you don't take action, then there are going to be more of these days of your life that are functionally lost that you can't get back. And I want people to have the most meaningful days that they can. So a lot of the work that all of us do in mental health is trying to restore the value back to your life, to give you good quality of life. So I just want to encourage you to continue to take action to create the life you actually want. And if some of that action includes seeing professionals to help you with your path, then be brave, step out, do it. It will make a huge difference for you. So thanks again, everybody. I'm Dr. Erica. I'm so happy to and blessed to be able to spend this time with you. Again, if you like what you heard, please do me a favor. Please follow or subscribe, depending on your podcast platform. Um, that helps us get more guests and I mean, it does make me feel good, but it does help get more guests and more things for you. The next thing is also share it. Don't let this be the best kept secret. You know, tell your Uber driver, your Lyft driver, the person walking down the street, whoever's. Just share the podcast. And the last thing is, if you could um, rate or review it five stars, please. I am like the Uber driver. Please give me five stars. Um, I would really appreciate it. And until next time, I want you to take your left hand, put it on your right arm. Take your right hand, put it on your left arm. Give yourself a big squeeze, unless you are driving. Then you have to do this when you get still. Not trying to have any car accidents on my watch. And until next time, have a better day. Find me on social media at Dr. Erica, D-O-C-T-O-R-E-R-I-C-K-A on all social media and online at betterthepodcast.com. That's betterthepodcast.com. If you like what you heard, tap on that subscribe or follow button, then click share and click rate and review. Now, don't panic if you don't see rate and review. Sometimes it mainly shows up on Apple Podcasts and Audible, but I appreciate hearing your feedback check back weekly for new episodes. They drop on Tuesday mornings. Until next time, be better, do better, live better. Better with Dr. Erica.